Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Richard. And this is episode number 14, where we're going to be looking at Come Dancing, also known as Wicked Waltzing, first broadcast on the 19th of November 1971, on a Friday evening at 10.10pm. Now, we've obviously skipped over Kid and Kong, because the original version of that is a uh, missing episode that no longer exists. We'll, We'll look at it when we get to the special at the end of season two. But Rob, he's going to spend the next month actually looking through the archives of the world, <laughs> trying to find that episode. And so in his absence, we've got our good friend and goodies fan, Tom. Howdy. How are you? Very good, thank you. Thanks so, for inviting me. No, very, very good to have you here. So you've been watching the goodies for how long? Uh, what's the time now? <laughs> no, I've been watching the goodies probably since the mid-70s. I started back when I was in primary school and uh, caught them I think over the school holidays when it was my recollection was about the middle of the afternoon. Oh there you go and obviously a fan. Now you've met the three themselves? Yes yes when they're out here in 2005 doing their world tour and of course uh, uh, like Richard I was involved in the kitten con that was held back here in 2000. So yeah no that was uh, my uh, world of goodies. That, that, that was a lot of fun that weekend. That was. <laughs> Yes, we'll, um, we'll probably do a little special sometime on our personal experiences as a goodie fandom, but safe to say you are qualified to stand here and natter with us about a 40-year-old show. Okay, well, Come Dancing, Wicked Waltzing. We'll talk a little bit later about its history and it's coming back into focus, but let's start with, did we enjoy the episode? Yes. I, look, it's a fun episode. It's one of those ones that uh, we didn't get too often. Uh, around the traps when they were shown? No, I, I don't I don't remember it being part of the ABC run. I, I mean, I guess, uh, and, and you just said we're going to talk about the, the history of it later, but it is the last of the black and white episodes. Yes. Which would mean it would have dropped off the ABC's play run, I would have thought, probably 75, mm. I would think, when we went I, to I, I, I do remember it on right. TV, but it was a... I do remember it in black and white as well. So I would have seen it probably on that initial run. You old bastard. I am. <laughs> oh, I'm both of you. Well, well, I was going to say, as somebody who's just the other side of 40 to you guys, I certainly have uh, never seen this broadcast on TV. So certainly in the time that I was watching the goodies growing up in the 80s and 90s, I never saw this on no, TV. No, I don't think I did either. I, I remember my first one, I think somebody gave me a copy of it. Um, I, I think I got that in a couple of the other black and white ones around the same time. But yeah, I, I certainly remember getting a bootleg copy that was multi, multi, multi VHS generation where everything was a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> and you couldn't really understand a thing. And I, I suspect my view of it, or my memory of it, has actually been clouded because of that difficulty in watching it. Because the, the copies I saw were not great. And I sort of remember it being very dull and, and, and lifeless and, and not engaging. But when I watched it again for this podcast, I, I agree with you, Tom. It's really fun. Yeah. Look, and going back, I mean, I remember it back, as I said, on, on that, that transmission that we had in the mid-70s uh, before the DVD came out. And uh, it, it was never thought much because you think, well, you know, what's come dancing? We never had something like that here. Certainly not two, as I was 
you know, nine years old, ten mm. years old at the time, uh, the, it didn't make a huge impact. But you always saw the clip, and I always knew what episode it came from. Yeah, from oh, that, that's in, right. in the, the clip, opening that's credits. Right, the clips in the opening credits. That's that, right. That, that's right. But we never got to see it until we actually got the uh, network DVD release. No, I, I remember we showed <clears throat> what must have been a, a slightly better quality copy at the goodies convention. I think in the main room, and I remember it got a pretty positive reaction there. But I suspect a lot of that was probably because no one had seen it. But every episode of the goodies got a positive yeah, well, reaction. That's to the panels. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. Actually, and a few people who've paid to spend a weekend with the goodies will actually enjoy the show. Richard, you haven't said what your view of it is. Uh, no, I enjoyed it as well. I, I again, I don't have particularly strong memories of it. I don't ever remember seeing it on TV, and one I've probably only ever watched a couple of times. Maybe if I want to be a little negative, probably tape it off perhaps a bit for me towards the end. But the the first 20 minutes or so, though, was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. To my mind, looking ahead to the episodes we're going to be talking about over the next month or so, there is the start now of some that really engage with one topic or one idea and do variations on a theme for the duration of the episode. And that happens again. You see it in Farm Fresh Food. You see it in New Office at the start of Season 3. This one, I think, just, just carries the, the, the theme right to the end. We'll talk about the others when we get there, but it does seem to be the start of a slightly more, right, we're going to satirise that mm. and do it sort of consistently for one episode. So you get the watching of the, the, the dance, then you get the first version of the contest, then you get the interaction, and then you get the second version of the contest, which is all, as I say, variations on a theme. I, I think it holds up, but mm. you're right, it... it really gets to the, the, the final minute and it's, there's not much more left Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I as I said, I really enjoyed probably the first 20 minutes or so. I was looking at how much longer the, the uh, it had to run, I think, in the last probably five. But, but that doesn't detract, as I said. It, yeah. it was a lot of fun to watch. It was. So one of the big aspects of this is obviously the guest cast at the time would have been relatively big deal. Now is a really big deal. And that's because you've got Joan Sims and June Whitfield, who I think we need to talk about. Both of them went on and got very big careers, particularly in the carry-on films. Uh, June Whitfield, I don't think, had actually done a carry-on at this point, although she had dozens of credits up until now. I think uh, June really uh, sort of came out with Abfab, didn't she? That's probably for the later audiences. Look, anyone in my generation, she's absolutely well-known as the grandma in that fab. Yeah. And, of course, Joan, well, Joan Sims, of course, comes back next season in, uh, in Way Outward Bound. Yes. Um, and, again, somebody who very well-known for the Carry On movies and then sort of became just that staple actor that will turn up in British sitcoms to add a bit of gravitas and heft to the story. Uh, her regular role in As Time Goes By, for example, or semi-regular role in As Time Goes By as the... Stepmother to Lionel, played by Jeffrey Palmer, for example. Oh yes, mm. uh, and and of course appears in a Doctor Who. Uh, yes. Uh, not some would suggest her finest performance. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, look. The, the the point is, we've got two actresses here as guest stars. It, it's one of the very few times you've got two very strong guest stars actually appearing with the goodies. And look, they're both people who are incredibly famous. They were relatively famous then, hugely famous now, and just, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of credits. Did they work? Yes, for what roles that they were playing. I mean, you, you go through the storyline of Wicked Waltzing, is that more so than the parody, 
you got the the mashup of bringing the, the almost the Capone gangster yeah. scenario of that, and I think you've gotten two very good actresses there to to do that, especially one that is not what she seems, you know, from the the start of the episode of uh, let, let's let's have another one over the put it over the goodies that they're actually working for a bad person as well. And and we've we've talked in previous episodes about the way that guest stars can perform in the goodies. And this is two examples of, I think, actresses who really do play it straight and let the laughs come out of the dialogue rather out of their performances. Yes. And, and it's better for <clears> it. And indeed, in some ways, the goodies themselves actually almost fade into the background for some of the scenes between them because they're such powerful. Probably that, the, the, particularly that main scene where they're confronting each other in the, in the, in the office once they discover that, that Jim Whitfield is actually Peach's stiletto. stiletto. <laughs> the, the dad shark. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're very powerful performances. So we'll go back to something you said, Tom, because we in, in the opening, it's clearly a big deal at this stage. Those sort of dancing shows are staple evening or Saturday night viewing for the UK. Yes. And people like Tim would be sitting down and watching them. And, and let's face it, they still are. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing in the UK and Dancing with the Stars or their version of it, they're still mega rating hits in the UK. Oh, what goes around comes around. And, and it's, it's that cyclic thing that we happen across anything. I mean, hey, even Doctor Who came back. But, but, but you're saying clearly this is a part of the culture yeah. that they've decided needs to be lampooned. Yes. And that comes across really well. What did we think of them and their dancing abilities? Well, I suppose you start with, with Tim is obviously the cultured one and he believes, you know, dog room dancing is this expression of, you know, all the finer things in life, whereas Graham and, and Bill are obviously just bored yeah. by it. Which is interesting because I, I think the only one who could actually dance, I think, was Graham because he'd done it at school. Yeah, that's right. I think. But, I mean, look, they, they obviously cover the fact that, that maybe they can't dance properly by the, the robotic suits Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they get to dance in a very stylized mechanic. Yeah, which, which which is a good visual gag because it allows them. I mean, they do the twist and they do, and Graham turns the speed up and down and whatever, which allows them to do some quite good visual gags with yeah. the suits. Yeah, very true. I, I suppose there's also the bit where they they, they do the stereotypes of the type of people yes. who would go on strictly yeah. come dancing. You know, we are Cyril. Cyril. We, we are, are a bank clerk. <laughs> um, and and of course, you know, their partners. We are oh, all hairdressers. Yes. We are normal, we are a hair artist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, it's a wonderful... And then the audience clearly buys that. They do. That, the audience is really enjoying that bit of it. So. Yeah. And it's, and it's clearly lampooning, again, that particular strata of British society yeah. that would go home from their job at the bank or doing hair and watch a dancing show. Yes, yes. Or, or go and put on the tails themselves and, and join a formation dance team. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and the idea that it's a corruptible industry is just, I think, a very funny one, but probably starting to get into that cynicism and that satirising of the 70s, which you can you can see. It, it, it's amazing how well it works 40 years later. And it, it's that bit that goes through that, that, as you say, with the goodies taking the, uh, the background to the episode, you, you get, I suppose, the few standout elements is Graham explaining how the suits work to the wrong person. And, yes. you know, yeah. don't tell anybody. Oh, this is how it's done. And then there was some quite clever stuff with the cheating as well. I particularly like the putting up the, the five and the two commas to yeah. make the five billion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, that was really quite clever. We then get to the, the final act, and I use that word, pardon the pun, 
which is the corrupted version of it. So you start off with first Tim in drag. So this is yet another example of Tim, I wouldn't say getting to drag up, but being asked to drag, drag up. up. He's not the one that wrote it. Exactly. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> Why do you think Tim got to drag up so much? Because but, the other two I, wrote I, it. I, I suppose we then get to see the other two in drag as well. Yes. yes. When you get into the all-in fight. Yes. <laughs> and, and look, there, there were some good visual gags in that, but I, I agree that was the weaker part of the episode. I think it was starting to sag under the... Okay, it, how many jokes can you do on the one theme by then? Look, I'm not saying it did sag, but... Had no, it gone longer, look, it there, there was some good stuff there where they're swapping, obviously, the dummies in and out for the real, for the actual, yes. the three blokes. And look, it, it just sort of seemed, because when Tim is, is first dueling the first guy, they're obviously doing dance moves and slightly subverted dance moves. When it becomes the all-in, it really actually just descends into straight boxing, mm. actually, and, and wrestling. And, and clearly they basically decided, well, it would be funny and satirical and weird and wacky to do dancing as if it was a boxing match. So you get the four, all, all the tropes to go with that. Um, and then the final gag is obviously the inverse of that. Yes, well, I was going to say, you then get that at the end, where, where you go to the formation dancing and they're all sitting there just punching on with each yes. other. Yeah. And then you see the two wrestlers and they start wrestling moves and then they go into a... Uh, they're wearing tutus. Which, mm. which is something I think we're seeing more and more of, is that look, the, the goodies is very strong. I think it stands up better than a lot of sketch comedy, including, I think, Python because it has the narrative to hold together. The problem is that a narrative needs a full stop at the end. And sometimes it's very clear that the full stop doesn't really work in terms of story terms. It's just a really funny gag to finish with. Yeah. And we're seeing that a bit more. And I think that's the same thing here. There's no sort of logical rhyme or reason why dancing should suddenly become a boxing match other than you know the inverse of what the goodies have done. But it's a funny gag and it makes you laugh and you go, right, that was a good episode and it's all over. Mm. I mean, there's a few other things, obviously, you can pick up along the way. I mean, there's, there's Tim and Bill trying to learn how to dance with, with Lionel Blair. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is obviously a um, parody of Lionel Blair. It uh, is, who, who was the... Um, no, no, he wasn't the host of Come Dancing. He, he, was, he was a choreographer. Right. I think he'd actually done... He was actually in a Beatles... Uh, he was actually in the... Was it Hard Day's Hard, Day, Hard Day's Night he was in. And then, of course, you get the scene where they're getting the thing on Tim shouting, I'm meant to be the woman, and Graham walks in. So, <laughs> so oh, okay. Yeah, that was, that was very good. It, it's interesting. I mean, on the Lionel Blair thing, obviously, you're right. He was in Hard Day's Night. He's in The Goodies, 971. Now, he was even in uh, Ricky Gervais's Extras Christmas special uh, about only about five or six years ago, which is the bit... Um, he was in the house. Yeah, he was, he was in the Big Brother house yeah. with Ricky Gervais. Yes. And he, he, has, he has that line, you know, every day I wish for death. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he goes on. I mean, when you look at the, the pedigree of the goodies and their run-in with famous people, that I'm sorry I haven't a clue. Even now, the series is still running 40-odd years mm. later. You know, it's created about this time of yes. the goodies. They're still doing Lionel Blair jokes today. That's right. So. But look, I mean, it's a testament to the fact, I'll just make the point that you know, Lionel Blair really has been up in British entertainment in one form or another for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, so definitely worthy of a good parody. Other yes. comments on the episode generally? They do their little gag with the golden plimsoll of Montrose. Yes, they <laughs> do. 
yes. very, very apt for it to be right there since it was... Yes, yeah, since a few months later they won the Silver Rose. The Silver Rose, so, yeah. Yes, the, um, yeah, the, the host of Come Dancing, actually, sorry, was uh, was Peter West, and, and then that becomes Peter Vest when you, uh, yeah. when you parody him. So the other notes I had, there's quite a, a funny scene where Delia Capone first comes in and she pours the drink down the front of Bill's pants, and yes. you can see he is trying desperately hard not to laugh. <laughs> yes, yeah. I did pick up that look on Bloody's face, yes. It, it almost makes you wonder whether that was either just something that hadn't rehearsed, or uh, even she just improvised on it. Well, that or he knew exactly what was coming, so he's sitting there, <laughs> here it comes. Yeah. Yes, no, that was really good. Uh, we said we'd mention a little bit about the episode being missing, so... For a long time, this only existed in black and white. Out of Australia. Because it was returned from Australia yes. back to Britain. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And now my understanding is it was actually recoloured based on a poor quality colour version. Am I correct here? Well, or? the interesting thing is I thought that as well. Now, I, I watched the little uh, featurette thing on the DVD um, and certainly at least some of the colouring was done from that, but um, that actually also makes the point that they seem to have used the chroma dot technique for part of it as well, and then just amplified... Because some of the colours, particularly, um, there's the scenes where you get the close-up, there's the scene in the office where they're with uh, Peach's stiletto, uh, or Penelope Faye, where some of her skin tones are decidedly green-looking. Yes. Where they've clearly... And, and that seems to be the segment they... If you watch the featurette on the DVD... There's a sit there where they found that obviously what the chroma dot technique got the low band colour and then have just turned it right up. So, but yeah, she she looks decidedly green in it, some of those scenes. It, it did actually look to me when you look at some of those, for example, those World War Two photos that people have recolorized. Mm. It, it had those sort of tones, I well, thought. But just for those that are listening that aren't familiar with chroma dot technology, uh, my understanding is that's when something's being converted from colour to black and white. But the way the dots on the black and white uh, patterned, you can then turn that back into colour with the right technology. It's something like that. I'd it's like something, uh, it's like, something yeah. like that. We, we probably need like a Steve Roberts here or something yeah. to give us a technical explanation. But yeah, because I, I know, I mean, obviously, look, it's coming to focus because of Doctor Who yeah. and because they, they were able to recolorize some of the John Pertwee episodes. From, but, from exactly this time. Um, exactly from that time. And it was, there was, uh, there was whatever information was contained on the film. But yeah, so... Technically speaking, I understand the original colour episode doesn't actually exist. It's the remade colour episode that we have. Yes. But we have it, so we can watch it, and that's good. Shall we move to our regular segment? I think so. So, ads. Yes. Well, there, there were two. Yes. The first one was, was obviously the send-up of the Wilkinson Sword advert. Wilmington um, Sword. Yes. Well, they, they of course, Wilkinson Sword has a bit of history. They, they are the inventors of the, well, one of the first companies to produce a safety razor. And what put Wilkinson Sword on the map, and they, this would have been extremely topical, in the late 60s, they were the first company to do a stainless steel safety razor with a Teflon coat, hmm. which enabled them to, well, it was a much smoother... Safer. Safer shave. And they, that really put them on the map. They were one of the world's biggest producers of razors there at one point. And I actually have to say, as a former Air Force officer, I have seen people try to shave with a sword. <laughs> uh, usually doesn't work out too well. <laughs> and then you've got the Dogginosh uh, spoof, which is a... Graham is spoofing, I believe, the gourmet and journalist and MP Clement Freud. Uh, that's right, Clement Freud, that's right. 
And uh, so it's a take of a real... So I'm assuming he must have had that really slow and boring (laughs) voice as we get in the ad. Yes, but with a really good punchline, though, where the dog eats him. Eats him. (laughs) (laughs) So that was quite funny. Some really good ads, I thought, in this one. Yeah, they're actually both quite good. Anything in the what couldn't they get away with today category? Look, I don't think so. I think it, it, a lot of it was fairly innocuous. I, I thought so too. It was... And and I don't think it was. There was certainly nothing cut here. Not unless it's pick on the bank teller. Well, <laughs> it, it, there there are certainly things that are a little bit dated in that idea of banking being a profession in that same way. Yeah. doesn't exist. But I mean, it's it's not. A... Any first or goodies tropes? Uh yes. It's the first mention of Cricklewood. There you go. Yes. Yes, it's a, the, the semi-final comes from the Cricklewood Masonic Centre. So they're not there yet. No, but, they're but not they're... there yet, but that's... Uh, yeah, but it's implied uh, that that's their local centre. Yes, that yes, they're, they're, that's the first mention in the series of Cricklewood. Fantastic. Favourite gags, gentlemen? Look, I think I'm a fan of Doggy Nosh. Probably out of that whole bit, because it was just Graham. So it, It's delivered well, and that's a great punchline that you actually yeah. don't see coming. Yeah. The bit that actually made me laugh, it's, and I don't know if it's necessarily my favourite, the scene where they're dancing down the street and the suits explode. And of course they disappear. And then you That could be your favourite in every episode. <laughs> but the thing that got me was, you then see there's a chap who comes around the corner, has obviously heard the explosion, and comes around the corner to see what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't get a laugh out of that, but uh, it's a yeah, very good moment. Um, probably that there was also the bit with Bill having the drink poured down the front mm. of his pants, and and probably the bit with Tim and Bill learning trying to learn how to dance. Yeah. I think it was probably my other favourite. But yeah, look, one one of my favourites is is as you say, Tim and Bill learning to dance and Graham walking in. Graham walking in. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was played so well. I really like it. The other one is that visual gag where they waltz out into the street and suddenly start dancing with the policeman, just the way that the arms match and the timing of it was really clever and really funny. But yeah, there's a lot of really funny moments in here that I didn't expect from this one, and it's actually been a really good episode. Yes. Yes. Yes, I would agree. I don't... Uh, no, I don't, I don't really... As I said, other than the fact that I thought it dragged a bit at the end, I, it was interesting. I did have a note here, and it, it's a personal one, where they're doing the first dancing thing, and it's the slow, quick, quick, slow, <laughs> slow... Quick, quick, slow. I actually have done that. I was in a, a friend's bridal party um, and they taught us to do this very basic sort of box rumba. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> and that was, that was what it was. And that we had that exact thing. It was yeah. the slow, quick, quick, slow. Well, be, being far older than you, chaps, I actually did take ballroom classes oh, really? when I was in my teens. Oh. <laughs> it, it brought back memories. <laughs> well, I hope we've brought back memories for you as well. Next week, we'll be coming back to you with episode 15, which is Farm Fresh Food. But between now and then, maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum.
gals. How do you do? Hello. We are Norma. We are a hair artist. We are Cyril. We are a bank clerk. <laughs>